jump right into the word tonight. Um, I'm a bit convicted about what I'm going to share tonight because I'm excited about what God gave us this past Sunday through Eddie James. We'll talk about that a little bit and where we're going with Pentecost Sunday. It's going to be a big week. Amen. Amen. Pastor Rick, we love you so much. We honor you, sir. We bless you in the name of Jesus. We pray that you and Miss Joe get refreshed this week. And we're excited for the word on Sunday. We love you, sir, and we honor you. If you're in the building or online, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Uh, this series, I'm so grateful that Pastor Rick allowed me uh, to kick this off and really work through it. And I'm, I'm, even though I missed that one week because I hurt myself, thank God I did because the word Pastor Rick dropped on us that night was so powerful and so strong. Um, I want to encourage our family, our church family, to go back, really grab hold of this series, and let's walk it out. Let's make it a reality. A lot of times we go through stuff like this. We enjoy it. It's good. But we don't take the time to go back and review and, and really apply the principles that God gave us. Tonight, I know that it's graduation week, so there's probably people that are not online tonight and not in the building but those of you that are, I'm believing that it's a divine appointment that you're watching tonight and that you're in the building. Amen. I believe God's going to do something special tonight in, by way of preparation for Sunday. Let's start in verse 1, Acts chapter 1. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began, listen, both to do and teach. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost, say through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments, he gave commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also showed himself alive after, this, after his passion by many infallible proofs. We know all about that. Being seen of them 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them. This is Jesus assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the father, which saith he, ye have heard of me for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, when they were gathered, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? They were looking for something. And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. Quit worrying about when and who and where. Just do what I told you to do. But you shall receive power. Somebody say power. After the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto both unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, that's important, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked, listen to this. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by in white apparel. And they looked at them and said, you men of Galilee, what are you looking at? Why stand ye gazing 
up into heaven. Take our key verse tonight out of verse 8. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. We'll just call this part 4 of the following, part four of the following. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you tonight. We ask you that your spirit fill this room and fill every space, every room that somebody's watching in right now. God, we just ask that you you speak to us, your people. God, your subjects, the subjects of your kingdom. We ask that your anointing be here and that you'd open the eyes of our understanding, God, to receive what you have to say to ready our spirits for the things that you're actively doing in this house and among this body and among your church. God, I pray that you just help me tonight. Help me to deliver the word the way you deposited it in my spirit, God. I know that you are here and I praise you and I bless you and I thank you. Thank you for our pastor, God. Thank you for the anointing on his life. Ah, thank you for this church and what it means in this region. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. I'm going to read one more verse of Scripture, actually two, out of Acts chapter 2. You can turn there with me if you like, or you can look on screen. Acts 2, 41 and 42. This is after the upper room experience. It says in verse 41, Then they gladly received his word, and they're talking about, uh, the writer here is talking about Peter's word. So now it's no longer Jesus speaking, but it's Peter speaking. And they gladly received his word. Whose word? Peter's word. And were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Here's the key. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. If you missed Sunday morning, I want to encourage you, go back and watch. You don't have to watch all the praise and worship and everything like that, but go find the clip that from when Eddie started to deliver a prophetic word to this house. He didn't preach to us on Sunday. He dropped a prophetic bomb in this house. If you missed that, whether you were in the room or you weren't, what our team is going to do for you is tonight at about 845, they're going to post it again so that at any point between now and Sunday, you can go back and watch it. I said a few minutes ago that I believe the people watching tonight and in the room tonight were appointed to hear the word today because I believe God is putting a responsibility on this church. And if you're watching and you're in the room, that tells me that you're part of the core or the nucleus of Quest Church. Over the past three weeks, we've really taken the time to deliver principles that can be walked out with regards to being a follower and an effective follower. We've eradicated the idea that Uh, following or being a follower is a bad word or a negative connotation because there's no problem following. There's no problem even in this generation following. There's just a problem with who we're following and how we're following. The reason I uh, make reference to Sunday's word is because 
there were so many things, so many prophetic innuendos that were left on us, so many challenges that were given uh, to this body specifically. There, were, there, were, there was vision casted from this platform even on Sunday. And a lot of times what happens is we get in these atmospheres, we feel the goosebumps, uh, we hear the word, we even get excited about the word. Somehow we might find ourselves in the word, but, but we go by it and we don't even go back and listen again. I'll tell you this, I wasn't intending to listen again because I paid really close attention to what Brother Eddie was sharing and I was blown away and I was taking copious notes as he was speaking because it was so important to me what he was saying and I watched it again today and I realized, man, I missed so much. I missed so much. So I encourage you, go back and watch it. All in. Somebody say all in. All in. I'm not going to get too deep into any of these things. I'm just going to review a little bit of some of the things he mentioned. All in. It's time for us to get all in. He challenged us, and it wasn't just prophetic in the, in the way of uh, foretelling. It was prophetic in the way that it was putting a demand on God's people to get active. To get active. To get acclimated and active. Not just in the building, but on purpose in the building. He made the statement that we can all be in the same space, but yet not be in the same place. Amen. So I want you to go back and, and, and watch it because these types of prophetic words can't be ignored and, and abandoned. They can't be ignored and tossed to the side. They must be acted upon. They must be acted upon. Now, last week we talked about Elijah and Elisha. Two words that I keep hearing that Eddie shared was cities and sons, cities and sons. And so I, I think it's great to go back and reference the Elijah-Elisha dynamic here. And so the Bible tells us that Elisha ended up walking in a double portion of the spirit of Elijah. He walked in a double portion of the spirit of Elijah. But Elijah told him, you can only have that even after all these years. Even after all of your service, even after all you've given and all you've done, you can only have what you're requesting if you stay with me all the way to the end. And so he does. He stays with him all the way to the end. And what happens in a whirlwind or in a cloud, he is taken up to heaven and the mantle falls to Elijah. Elisha grabs it and he walks in a double portion of the spirit of Elijah. He strikes the, the Jordan, it splits, he walks over, and even the school of the prophets that is there watching says the, the, the same thing. He is walking in the same spirit as Elijah. I can't help but look at this as a picture of Jesus' ascension on that mount that day. As he's taken up, he gives his disciples instruction. Go and wait because there's a spirit that's coming your way. And if you're in that place, you'll get it. If you're in that place, you'll receive it. Later, you'll learn in the story of Elisha that there was one that, that was following Elisha, just like he did Elijah. His name was Gehazi. And if you read the whole story, you'll find out that Gehazi never received the mantle of Elisha because he was about his own agenda. 
See, Elisha walked in obedience and his obedience provided him an anointing. His obedience provided him a call and power to walk in. Gehazi's disobedience disqualified him from the mantle. He served the same way Elisha did. He probably served more years than Elisha did. He was there to the very end and he still didn't receive the mantle because he didn't walk in obedience. He didn't walk in obedience. God is not looking for your opinion. He's looking for your obedience. And I'm going to take that statement a step further. That's not my statement. That's Eddie James from Sunday. But I'm going to expand it a little bit and say this. Your obedience opens the door for opportunity. Your obedience opens the door of opportunity. Now, the following, let's go all the way back to week one. The following is a group of attendants, a body of attendants. It is a group or, or a body that is moving in the same direction. It is that which comes after. Somebody say the same spirit. The same spirit. Elisha walked in the same spirit as Elijah. Now, I want you to see this. The kingdom of God operates by succession. We know this. So you either have to be after, under, or following to receive what's coming next. That's how the kingdom of God operates. There's an expectation that people are constantly following. Why? Because it's not about uh, the fact of authority and lordship. That's not the picture of the kingdom. The kingdom needs followers and people under so that there is a line of succession. Because the kingdom, the purpose of the kingdom, the expectation of the kingdom is that it's going to advance and expand. And it can't advance and expand with just one person only it has to advance and expand with a body or a movement that's why there are followers that's why there is succession it's not about authority and you being under authority that's important to understand rule but that's not the object of of the point of the kingdom and of succession the point is so that you're in line to receive what you're responsible to do because the people in this room the people watching online there is an assignment on your life there is a call Deep down in your heart, there is a thing that God expects for you to perform and you to do. And if you're not under the right cover or in the right place, it won't work. It won't work. You may never even walk in it. You may never even find it. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but too many people think that their call and means it's time to move toward it. Sometimes when you receive that call, the first step is to serve. I see Samuel in the temple, and he's ministering to the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. He wasn't even supposed to be doing that. But he received the call of God on his life, and the next step wasn't to step in as priest. The next step was training. The next step was following. And that's what's beautiful about the way Jesus did it. Because our text in Acts said he, these are the things he began to do and to teach. So he did before he taught. Ever heard of on-the-job training? 
because the expectations was that the disciples weren't just going to be sitting by off to the side taking notes. No, they were going to be actively involved in what Christ was doing. Why? Because they were learning more by what they were doing than by what he was teaching. And now, right now, we have a congregation of people in churches that are itching, they have itching ears. They want more teaching. They want to be taught. And until they mature, that's when they'll walk in whatever they're supposed to do. They won't get involved. They won't forgive. They won't, they won't move to the next step in spirituality or whatever because they feel like they may not know enough. The reality is you need to be doing something. Somebody say all in. So in Acts chapter 1, we see... Jesus, speaking to his disciples, one of the last things he's sharing with them, and he tells them, for John baptized with water. But you, the followers, the disciples, you are about to be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. Somebody say all in. Baptized. It literally means to be immersed, to be immersed or to be all in. The purpose of baptism is an outward show of what Christ has done in your life. Your life is over. You died with Christ and you rose again a new creation. Any new creation has to go through a training, growing uh, uh, evolutionary process in their being but in order to be effective or not come out defective you have to be all the way in somebody say all in all right I'm going to shift kind of uh, our thinking a little bit God when it relates to his kingdom in the earth has always since uh, since the book of Acts established uh, what I refer to, and I'm not saying I, I'm saying this is what I've learned. He has established apostolic and prophetic distribution centers all over the earth. Uh, Brother Eddie referred to them by naming the books of the New Testament because they represented the cities that, 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 he, that Peter was reaching to. Because there were, cent- there were centers there that dealt with the distribution of the power of the Holy Ghost. It was Rome, there was, there was Ephesus, there was, we can go through them all. Go, go read the New Testament, you'll learn all about it. Corinth, everywhere. So God places these centers, we call them churches, in regions for different purposes. Because churches can't do everything. Not every church can do everything. There's not a single church that's going to save a city or revolutionize a city for Jesus Christ. It's not how God does it. God has planted houses throughout uh, regions because they have different purposes in that region. And so uh, God sends apostles and prophets into regions. He sends them into regions when there's a spiritual principality or stronghold that has set itself up in that region that is winning. And so what God will do is take one of his apostles and prophets. And what those apostles and prophets 
or men of God or preachers or whatever you want to name them, but really they're apostles and prophets, the reason he sends that guy or that woman is because there's an, they've already been baptized or they're already all in when it relates to the power of God on their life and the walking effectively in the call that God has placed on their life. And they have on them this anointing that can pierce through that stronghold those mindsets and those generational spirits that like to set themselves up. And so when God sends an apostle into a region, it's for the purpose of breaking down those strongholds. Why? Why do we want them broken down? So that the gospel and the kingdom of God can effectively be advanced. Because those strongholds are what's holding it back. What are you talking about? Explain to me what a stronghold is. A stronghold is simply a mindset or a condition that people walk in. So explain what might be some generational spirits or principalities or strongholds that might be in this region. Well, that's okay. Let's do that. There's drug addiction that runs rampant in this area. It's a known fact. It's, it's a hopelessness that I need something else to wash away what I'm dealing with. And it's an addiction that I stick to. That's a spirit. Depression is a spirit in this region. Depression, we like to tell lies to people and make it sound like it's truth. And so then the church believes it and then people in the church acclimate to it. And I don't want anybody to get offended because I do understand the, the reality of psychiatry and counselors and all that. But depression is not a mental health issue. Depression is a spirit that likes to attach itself to a people and a person and bring them down. Why? Because if it can oppress them, then whatever God sent them in the earth to do cannot be accomplished because there's no light in them. That's a spirit in this, in this region. What's another spirit? It's a spirit of familiarity in this region. What is that? That's a spirit that feels like they're so attuned to what God is doing that they're not really going to learn anything new. They can sit back in their chairs with their arms crossed and their legs crossed and their, 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 their hand rubbing their chin at whatever the preacher or the, the prophet or the apostle is declaring and they're not really receiving anything and not engaging anything because it's a spirit of familiarity. I know that already. And who are you to declare this here? I've been here much longer than you have. I know what you should be preaching. Let me give you the word you should be declaring in here. Don't be, don't be going after racism. Racism ain't no issue up in this place. Don't go after racism. You don't know what you're talking about. That's a spirit of familiarity. It's a religious spirit in this region. I'm talking about this region on purpose because we live here. But there's principalities and strongholds and spirits in every region that are different. In San Antonio, it's a poverty mentality there. There's also a spirit of familiarity there. There's also a, a spirit of I'm going to push you down so that I can get up. So we can go city to city, but we're focusing on this because this is where Quest is. This is where Quest is. For we wrestle, Ephesians 6, what? We wrestle what? Not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers and darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's what we wrestle with. Why are we so adamant right now in this season about it? Because we need an outpour of the Spirit of God in His churches and on His people. 
There ain't nothing wrong with any of the other churches over here. None of them. They may be different from us. They have a different grace to reach a different people. But I'm telling you what the grace that's been resting on this house and that we're called to because of the apostle sent to our house is we need to have an outpour of the spirit of God because it's not here. There isn't anybody pushing back against these things. We're trying to make everybody feel good. That doesn't happen with a single person. God doesn't send an apostle there so that he can do it. He sends the apostle to send an anointing and pierce through the darkness and open a way for the body or the following to come in like a bum rush and invade that space. Three, thing, three things I want to leave you with. Tonight, and I'm not, I'm, I don't want to be long because I just want to whet your appetite for what's coming this Sunday. God operates by appointments, by time. He might exist in eternity, but he created time so that we would have markers concerning our purpose and where we're heading. And I don't think it's an accident that Sunday marks one year to the day that we were returning back to gathering as a people in the house. We were restricted from gathering for a while, and then we opened back up for in-person services one year ago this Sunday. Not only that, it's Pentecost Sunday. It represents the day that God poured out his spirit onto those apostles. And as we read in our text... 3,000 were added that first day. Multipliers. Because of the power of the Holy Ghost. Three things I want to drop on you. Because we need to be ready for what God is doing. I believe God is putting a super demand on us as a people to take it seriously. I believe he's putting a demand on us to stop just coming in and rah rahing and crying and leaving. Uh, and, and, and hearing these uh, amazing prophetic apostolic words that are being declared from this pulpit and not doing anything about it. There is a region of people that are crying and desperate and needing the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need the life that he promised us. And that's not the role of everybody, that, that just the people that man this platform. That's the role of the saints. We were given some apostles, some prophets, some teachers, some evangelists, some pastors to do, to, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Amen. That's why we're setting up a getting equipped hour at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning so that people can get equipped to walk in the fullness of life that God gave them through our Christian living classes, to have healthy marriages so that they can have dominion right here on earth, a prayer class so that you know how to declare the things of God through prayer and actually have communion with the Lord and what that does in a region. We want to equip the saints. Amen. Three things I want to drop on you. I'll give them to you so that you have them uh, for later. Those entrusted, those entrusted, the effect, the effect and the expectation. And the expectation. So Acts 1 and verse 2. Acts 1 and verse 2. Until the day in which he was taken up after that 
through the Holy Ghost, had get, listen to what it says, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. To the apostles he had chosen. He began his work. Jesus began his ministry by choosing the men that he would entrust his ministry with when he left. I'm going to say that again. He began his ministry by choosing the ones he entrusted to do the work when he left. That's how he started. And how did he start with them? Two words. Follow me. Follow me. He chose these guys because he knew he could trust them to do the work. He chose them because they were all so different. One was a tax collector. One was a fisherman. One was a treasurer. You have all these characters. One was his brother. Knew him well. Knew him better probably than anybody. He chose these men because they were trustworthy men. He saw something nobody else saw in these guys. And it was evident, evidenced by the fact that he said, follow me. And they dropped their nets. They dropped their nets and followed him. That net represented so much to those men. It represented their money. It represented their status. It represented how their families were going to be taken care of. It represented, it represented their identity. And they dropped him and followed him on two words. He knew that they would become more than just a disciple, that they would turn into an apostle because he chose them. He knew that the spirit that was on him, the same spirit that raised him from the dead, would quicken their mortal bodies and give them the same power that he walked in. And so he chooses them and entrusts them to every facet of his life for three straight years. He entrusted them. When we walk around in, in spaces like Quest Church and we receive from the, the quality of ministry that stands behind here. And of course, we've been given a gift when we were given Pastor Rick. But we were also given the gifts that he's in relationship to. And so we've had so much power released from right here. We were entrusted with that. For us to handle it like we're spectators. That's a shame on us. These men dropped their nets. What does that mean? They got involved immediately with what Jesus was doing. They were learners, yes, but it doesn't say that the things that Jesus began to teach and do, it says the things that began, Jesus began to do and teach because he always did before he taught them the lesson because he showed them first. He got them involved in it first and then he explained it to them. He entrusted them, apostles, those that are sent. He knew these men were not going to stay put. They weren't going to lock down and say, this is my place and I ain't moving. They knew it was a progressive thing and there was going to be times that they were going to have to go to places they weren't comfortable going because they were responsible to do it. 
He, cho- he entrusted them. He entrusted them. Now watch this, the effect. It moves on in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes on you, and you shall be a witness unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So watch what they do. I want to I kind of tell this story before I get to Acts 2. They hear what God says. Then the angel rebukes them. What are you doing? What are you looking at? Go do what he said. So they do. They all gather. Read all of Acts chapter 1. I encourage you, you should read Acts 1 before we get to church on Sunday. So they read Acts, or, or they, they, they go gather in the room. Bible says there's 120 of them up there. All the disciples are there. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is there. Right? And then they realize... Jesus chose 12, and we're missing one. So we got to get somebody in the right position so that this set is complete. They had been waiting. They had been waiting. They didn't know a time. They didn't know when it was going to happen. They just knew the command God gave them. And I believe it was a test to see if they would act on what they saw Jesus do. They saw Jesus set up 12 apostles, but now there's only 11. So they say we have to complete the set. 12 is the number of governments, the number of order. It's when that's the government that they laid on Christ's shoulders for the earth. Those 12 apostles started everything. And so he completes the set, the next verse, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come. They accomplished. Now watch. After all of that, they complete the set. God releases the power. We'll learn about that on, on, on Sunday, right? Watch the effect of the following. Watch the effect. And then they gladly received Peter's word. These are the people. He had the spirit that Jesus did. And he was releasing it on these people. And they received his word. Now they're not receiving Jesus' word. They're receiving Peter's word. And when they received it, they were baptized in the Holy Ghost. They were immersed immediately. They were all in and 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom in one day. And what happens, the effect of the following, if it's acting in proper alignment with Christ and his purpose, it makes you a multiplier. You can't help it. You just walk into spaces and things add. That's why when, when that's how God set it up. That's why when God sent Adam, he said it is not good for what? For man to be alone. I got to add somebody to him. We know Deuteronomy tells us, it says a few th- places in the Bible, that one will put what? A thousand. Two will put 10,000. But it begs to reason that if one will put a thousand, then two would put what? Two thousand. But that's not how God works. When he puts an assignment with another assignment or an anointing with another anointing, it's a multiplier. So the expectation of the kingdom, what had the effect of the following is that Jesus, man, he did a work. But even he said, greater works shall you do. We're thousands of years down the line. What are we doing? Where two or three are gathered in my name, 
My spirit is there. There I am. Where two or three are gathered in my 3,000 souls in one day. This is the book of Acts, y'all. This is what is considered the Acts of the Apostles. In other words, they were active. There was action in what they were doing. There was activity. And this is recording it. Why? So that we can see it. Have an example and know what we're responsible to do. We get to see their trouble, their trials, their victories, the miracles. Why? Because in houses like this house, which is an apostolic and prophetic distribution center, there should be miracle signs and wonders happening in here. And it doesn't just happen because Pastor Rick preaches a great message. He's our apostle. We have an anointing because of it. But the people have to get active. Three weeks ago, one of our members who's dealt with asthma forever, sitting right over here, she comes up to the altar, she gets prayed for, she came up to me Sunday morning and told me, you know what, I went to the doctor this week because I realized I wasn't breathing, it wasn't hard to breathe, everything was real easy. So I went to the doctor to get checked, I am completely healed of asthma. He told me I don't have to take the inhaler no more, I don't have to take the medicine no more, I'm completely healed. I looked right at her and I told her, you're the first seed of what's about to come in Quest Church. We'll see regional change and communal change and changes in community and spirits bowing their knee and generational curses being wiped off people when the people of God start walking in obedience to what God is speaking to them. So when our pastor declares a word, we walk in that word. We don't spectate. We don't speculate. We don't. The region changes because of what God has in you. God sent Pastor Rick here for us. For us. Why? Because he, he designed you to break the spirits here. He decide, designed you to break the curses here. He designed Pastor Rick to lead you in it. The effect, the drug ec epidemic will, will start to decline and we'll start seeing people recover and there'll be more testimonies like John McGregor's testimony and Lance's testimony and Jason's testimony and their testimony as they declare it is going to begin to break off chains off people's lives and the devil is going to be defeated because of the word and the call that's in their mouth. Jesus ain't worried about what you messed up with. Jesus ain't worried about why you're confused. Because he already died on a cross for that. He already shed blood for that. He just wants to know, are you going to walk in the obedience because there's an effect that comes out of your life? The effect comes through the following. The effect comes through the following. There must be action. You must be activated. You must be active in the kingdom the entrusted the effect and now here's the tough one it's the expectation the expectation I want to talk about three things and I'll be quick I know we only have about 10 minutes false expectations God's expectation and our expectation false expectations 
are your opinion of what the church should be doing. False expectations are my tenure should dictate that I have a voice in the direction that we're going. False expectations. I know I'm, I'm stepping out there. I don't really care. I know I feel like God told me to do this. So, It's what I expect the pastor to do. I expect him to preach like this. I expect him to do this, to go to so-and-so's house. To He should be starting this. He should go speak to there. He certainly shouldn't be speaking out on any social issue. He should be speaking more about political issues. These are false expectations. If you were to ask me who my favorite preacher is, I would answer you real fast. My favorite preacher is Rick Hawkins. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. He's been my pastor for 30 years. Now, I like a lot of preachers. I like T.D. Jakes. I like Charles Spurgeon, even though he's, I never saw or met him or nothing like that. I like Michael Pitts. I like Michael Todd. I like Joel Osteen. I do. I like all these guys. I like Clint Brown, Gary Oliver. Some of these guys I know have a relationship with. But even though I might get a word, a piece of a word from them, they're not my favorite preacher. Because God put me under Rick Hawkins. Because he has the words of life for me, for my life, for my family, and for my household. In this generation, we have a vagabond spirit up in the church. And the internet has just made it worse. Because you can watch any preacher you want. And your pastor's word ain't the most important word that you're hearing. These are false expectations. It got quiet. Everybody's real excited when the power of God's working through you. But when you're really putting somebody in a place, in a position where it will be best for them. The power of a pastor is that he does chip away at the rough edges of your life. The power of a pastor is he challenges you to grow. Sometimes growth... let me, let me say it like anytime God talked about people, he usually re- related to them as like trees or the planting, right? And for any, any good crop to grow well, we all know it has to be fertilized. So sometimes there's some put all over you. And we want to get offended by it. And we don't realize that that is helping me grow. It's feeding my soul. But nowadays, nowadays, no, 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 you ain't doing that to me. I'm going to go to the other church. And we have people that have been in church 
global church for 30, 40 years and have had 15, 16 different pastors in 12 different churches and you still ain't planted yourself anywhere yet and you're acting, wondering why your kids are acting crazy because you can't settle in your spirit who your man of God is, who your house is and where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be doing. Young, while I'm on it, young people need to be in the house of God. We don't need to keep them away. Nowadays, there's so much going on. You know, there's soccer, there's softball, there's all these different activities to get our kids in. All the, and you know what? We'll miss church to make sure they're at the game on Sunday morning. We'll come back, you know, you know, we'll watch it online. Maybe we'll watch it later. You don't know what you're depriving your child of by not being in the house of God. I understand there's exceptions to all that, but, the, but young people need to be in the house. The, the greatest memories I have were laying in the pew, bored out of my mind in church. I treasure those memories now. The greatest memories I have were when, when I didn't want to be in a prayer meeting for three hours, but I remember Bishop V.T. Williams laying under the chairs and moaning and groaning in the spirit. And now that I have understanding, I realize that those atmospheres changed my life. Nothing's more important than being planted up under, in number one, in an apostolic center and up under a man, of, man or woman of God in your life. It's not a supplement. That's not a supplement. We like to use supplements. I'm going to go watch the clips later. I'm going to watch somebody else's stream later. Um, that's a supplement. A supplement was only meant to add to. A supplement wasn't meant to be a replacement. I'm going to leave it alone and move on. So what's God's expectation? So God moves, and he uses us to do it. So the expectation is that we're going to be obedient and walking in what God demands and commands of us. When God places a word on us, it's not a suggestion. If you go back to the text, it said, Jesus commanded them. I don't know what you think a command is, but it's not a suggestion. It's the furthest thing. It demands compliance because if you will be obedient to the word of God, God will use you. God will pour out his spirit on you and God will pull up out of you the very dreams, the prosperity, the fulfillment that you've been looking for. Go and wait. And being assembled together with them, God commanded, Jesus commanded them, they should not depart from Jerusalem. But wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard of me. John baptized with water, but you will soon be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Verse 10. And while they looked steadfastly up toward heaven, as he went up, kind of like when Elijah went up, two men stood by in white apparel and looked at him and said, you men of Galilee, why are you gazing at heaven? Stop looking at what he did. Stop looking for the past. It is time to step into the future. It is time to start looking toward what God is doing. So what is our expectation? Our expectation or the expectation on us is obedience. And, and engage our faith in a way that makes something happen. You've heard the cliche. That in an atmosphere of expectation, miracles happen. Because expectation is the manifestation of your faith. 
That's what expectation is. It's a manifestation of your faith. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. If that be true, then what was declared this past Sunday is going to start to show itself this Sunday. Only if the people of God come with an expectation that God's going to do a thing. If you really had an expectation that God was going to do a thing, you wouldn't leave your drug addict cousin at home this Sunday. If you really had an expectation that God was going to do a thing, you wouldn't leave your sick mom at home this Sunday. If you had an expectation God was going to do a thing, you'd put a demand on the spirit by bringing somebody up in this house. It might even be you that needs to get up in this house with an expectation that that spirit that's attached itself to your lineage is going to be broken off and pushed back in Jesus' name. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close this message real weird. We're not going to get real spiritual right here. Because I took my text from the book of Acts because of what I said earlier. It's the actions and the activity of the apostles. That's us. That's us. Jesus began to do and to teach. We need to stop waiting and start getting active. So here, here's what I want to leave us with, some homework. Number one, the team's going to post the prophetic word that Eddie James gave us Sunday, tonight. It'll be on Facebook. You can find it whenever you want. Go back and watch it. Watch it with ears like that word is your word. Like that word is your word. You don't have to be a minister and a pastor to see revolution in a city. There's a young lady that joined our church that knew she didn't just have compassion, but she had a passion, a drive to make a difference. And now she has a, a home that we support and is making a difference in children's lives and single mothers' lives. We have a couple in our church, Tony and Elena Legree. That's Gentry Fisher. That's who I just talked about. That's Leslie's daughter. We have Tony and Elena Legree that had a passion for, for uh, our compassion on homeless people. Not just that they were in need, but that they needed Jesus Christ. So they didn't sit back and wait for the church to do something. They created a whole ministry and said, can the church help us? And we said, absolutely. Now we've mobilized 40 people that reach homeless people on a weekly basis. They take them food. They take them clothes. They take them supplies. And watch this. We've seen people join our church that were homeless, that are not homeless anymore. They're growing and they're active in the hugs ministry. We've seen people that may not come to our church, but they're, they're not on the streets anymore. They have a job and they're thriving. Why? Because two people decided that I'm going to do something about what God is calling me to do. That's how you change a region we need prayer like brother Eddie demanded and, and, and commanded because that's spiritual activity but it also is coupled with action so number one go back and watch that find yourself in it doesn't mean you're going to be a preacher find yourself in it in a real way be open to hear God in that what's your assignment what's your assignment then I want you to read Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. Really read it. Take your time reading it. See what Jesus did with those apostles. Then watch their response. Then watch the response and the effect they had when they went to work. And lastly, find time every day between now and then to tell God 
how much you expect him to do big things in this room on Sunday. And invite as many people as you can to get in this building because I'm believing God that something amazing is going to break out on Sunday morning. I believe it. God has put a bigger mantle on our pastor right now than ever. Like I said, he's been my pastor for 30 years. I've got to witness it. Thank God for that. But man, I'm telling you what's going to go off in this place might set a revolution in this whole region. And guess what? We get to be a part of it. But hey, it doesn't happen unless we do that. Brother Mike, you guys know Brother Mike. He sits right here. Uh, He tells me on Sunday, you know, We keep crying for revival, but none of us make revival happen. We're waiting. We're waiting and watching. Waiting and watching. It's what the apostles did. And they realized, wait, we're not complete here. We have to complete the cycle so that the day of Pentecost can fully come. So we need to add to us. They added one, and God gave them a harvest of 3,000. Is that powerful? You could add one and watch the harvest that comes in. Watch the harvest that comes in. Lift your hands. If you're watching online, lift your hands there as well. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. We submit ourselves, our spirits, our lives to you. God, we're asking that you give us the tenacity, the courage, the strength, the focus, the obedience to walk out the call and the mantle that you're laying on us in this hour. It's it's heavy. We feel it. It's, it's heavy. We feel it. It's weighty. It's weighty. But if ever the earth is groaning for the sons of God and the daughters of God to be made manifest, it is right now. The earth is groaning for it. The culture is groaning for it. The earth needs it. It needs a move of your spirit. Even the atmosphere is troubled. And God, we're asking that right now in your precious name, that you give us the tenacity, the courage, the strength, and obedience to walk out. Everything you're putting on our life, the assignment we have, the call we have. Ah, God, do it. Let Sunday be big. God, I'm asking you to fill this place with your spirit. I pray people come in here and they come to a saving knowledge of your son Jesus. I pray that sick people would walk in this service on Sunday morning and they walk out healed in Jesus' name. I pray that people that are depressed and on the verge of suicide, God, that they'd walk in this building and they'd have hope and that spirit would be cast out of their life. God, I pray for the drug addict would come in and be delivered in Jesus' name. I pray for the person that's tormented every single night with night terrors and nightmares, God, that you'd eradicate it from their life. I pray for people that are dealing with the depression of what this last year has done to them financially. God, that you'd show them that there is hope. And God, you're right there with them. God, I thank you that a big move is going to happen in this building because your people are going to set expectation. We're engaging our faith now. And every day from tonight to tomorrow to Friday to Saturday, we're going to put our expectation on you so that when we walk in this building on Sunday morning, God, You'd pour out your spirit on all of us and each of us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My prayer is that you hear, you hear it, you hear the spirit behind it. I, I wasn't trying to teach any principle tonight, more what uh, catching, you know. I feel God doing something, and I think it's going to be big. Amen.